Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Kubo and the Two Strings, directed by Travis Knight and released in 2016. The plot of the movie goes something like this. A young boy goes on a quest to find a magical suit of armor worn by his late father, helped by a monkey, a beetle, and his creativity. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate this, but I just didn't... It was sweet, and it looked pretty, and the story was reasonably well put together. It just didn't win me over the way I thought it might. Yeah, I really loved it. I really loved it. I just thought, I mean, um, it was so, it was really pretty, but I also thought it was like, I, I really liked that it was really daring and I liked the message that it put across. Um, I was really relieved after I hated box trolls so much, but part of the reasons I hated, bo- part of the reason I hated box trolls was because I found it so hard to watch because I thought it was so ugly, um. whereas Kubo was really gorgeous, so I found it much easier to watch. Um, there's definitely some problematic elements to it, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, I just thought, and I, I appreciate that they would, like, they were trying to do something different with the setting and with the, the yeah. characters. Yeah, so I, and this is the thing, I didn't hate it. I appreciated that stuff. I appreciated that they were interrogating things like that you have to get the parents out of the way in a children's film and the way, and, and looking at the way stories are told and all that. I did appreciate it. I just didn't kind of connect with it. Um, but I did, yeah, I, I, I think I have, I have a lot of good things to say about it. I just also kind of was like. Got bored. Eh. Yeah, got bored. Yeah. See, no, I really connected with it. I thought it was really interesting. Um, and I thought it was really kind of I, – I liked a lot of the um, the stuff. The, I was surprised. The kids that are in the screening that I went to seemed to like it. Yeah, uh, um, likewise, They seemed to actually. really enjoy it. There were kids um, I screen. thought they might get bored, but they were really into it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's good for, like, that – again, that kind of older group mm. because there's some scary stuff in there. But the, the kids that I was with – they seemed the most scared of the sisters mm, yeah. um, rather than any of the other stuff. The sisters were absolutely the scariest part. There was a girl actually who was sitting near me and she went, I was scared because I thought they were going to go Kubo again. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I think I actually started from a place of disappointment in this because when I watched the trailer and until I actually got into the movie, I didn't realize that our lead was going to be a boy. I thought – so when I saw the trailer, I thought this was going to be a story of a little girl who's going to go after her father's armor. And I was like, oh, my God, it sounds like Mulan. This sounds amazing. Mm. And I was really like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Must watch. And I wasn't quite prepared for the fact that it was a boy who was going after his dad's armor. Yeah, um, I knew it was a boy. Yeah, that wasn't obvious from the trailer. I don't know why. I just kind of assumed, I guess, with the ponytail and the long hair. Because he has long hair. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, part of it is like because it's that got that Japanese design, it kind of – I knew it was a boy. Mm. There wasn't a time at which I thought it was a girl. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was interesting. Um, and I, I really liked some of the, I, I just really thought that the mother character was really cool and interesting. Like the concept of that kind of depression or disability that she had at the beginning of the movie and how the, she was represented by the monkey later, which was really cool. That character was fantastic. I liked her a lot. Um, the monkey fight scene mm. was so great on the boat. I loved that. Yeah, that was um, great. the whole boat sequence was really good. Yeah, and I, I, oh, the and the when the Moon King comes down at the end and turns into the Avengers monster. Yeah, that looked really cool to me. The glowy kind of effects mm. were really fun. I liked that. I thought thought it looked, yeah, I really thought it looked amazing. Mm-hmm. But I just was kind of carried along that. I really enjoyed it. I connected with Kubo a lot. I thought he was really kind of an uh, an interesting kid and. Mm. Um, I do. I did find it strange that th- I, I think the focus on the father should it was kind of convenient, but strange because he didn't ever meet his father. 
Mm. Um, I thought it would have been more interesting to, like, well, the mother's story grow that connection a little bit. Yeah, because the mother's story is a lot more interesting, as you say. Like her character is a lot more interesting, and they kind of the beetle kind of turns up, and they there's not a lot of time for them to get to know each other. Yeah, I think it could have been good to have the beetle come around a little bit earlier. But he was so funny. Mm. He was so funny. Like there were times, and for some reason, the beetle hit that exact like spot where my sense of humor is. So like there were things that he said that weren't that nobody else laughed at that I laughed really hard at. Like when he said the sword uncomfortable, I was laughing for like thirty seconds. I thought that was hilarious. I was actually not particularly won over by the beetle and I didn't like the voice acting um, I didn't like the voice act I liked the character a lot mm. like and the, the the gag about the eyelids and stuff like that I thought the character and the writing mm. was really funny I think the voice acting in general for the whole movie was not great no and <laughs> and I was also a little bit bothered by the a bit like I am with um uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra that They're all, all these Japanese characters being played by white actors. Yeah, that was what I like that yeah, from the beginning I knew that before I saw the movie going into it. I knew there's there's two in the main cast, there's two Japanese voice actors. There's Kerry I don't have IMDb uh, in front of me, but uh, George Takei is in there. George as well. Takei, but it's Kerry uh Hirogawa? Hi, hi, something like that. Um can't remember it now. Anyway, and uh, George Takei. Um, oh, Carrie Hirokuyi Tagawa. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. I think I sort of squished his we name We sort of together. got in there somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, I was really disappointed and I didn't think that – and it like putting big names in the main cast didn't seem to help the movie any and it didn't make it any better. It's mm. the, the voice acting – I actually thought the best voice acting was from – um, the sisters. Um, it yeah, was um, one Rooney of the Maras. Maras. Yeah, and uh, they were they were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, very creepy, and that worked great. But the main kid also isn't the main kid like both the main kid and somebody else in the main cast are both British, and they're both playing with America. Mm. They're both yeah. acting with American accents. Art, Art Parkinson weird. is the youngest Stark kid on Game of Thrones. Yes, it was such a weird choice, and wasn't he also he was in something else we've seen? I think. Um, anyway, Art Parkinson, and then there was somebody else. Oh, Ray Fiennes. Mm. Was also in it, I think. Oh yeah, is is the uh, the grandfather, the Moon King, right? And he was. Did he have? I can't remember what his accent was like. Anyway, yeah, I remember looking at it at the end and going, "Oh, I didn't know that was Ray Fiennes. That didn't sound like him." No, and yeah. that when we get to the Little Prince, uh, we'll go into the recognition of voice actors and whether or not that's a good thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I actually didn't recognize Matthew McConaughey, but I didn't think that the. Beetle Dad was particularly well acted, well voice acted. I just thought I liked the character a lot. Yeah, like I, I thought, and I thought his expression, physical expression, was really good too. And he, the, he had a lot of the physical humor as well, which yeah. just kept the kids in the audience amused. Yes, um, um well. and and also the relationship between the parents was really funny to mm-hmm. watch it happen. Yeah, I, I don't like that they kind of go with the nagging mum and the fun dad thing, but it was it was really entertaining to watch, mm. and and it. it came at, from a place of genuine caring about both their points of view on that. Mm. Um, like neither of them was wrong for – she wasn't wrong for being protective and, you know, like it, it, they, it understood where she was coming from with that and it understood where he was coming from for trying to be fun all the time and stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the issues I had with the film is that because it was spent so much time on its – um, probably on its stop motion, I believe it's the longest stop motion film ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, it spent so much time on its on making it beautiful, and I think it actually spent a bit of time thinking about its characters. But it kind of felt a little bit underdone in terms of story and and in in terms of like it relied a lot on tropey stuff. And I feel like that's part of the 
problem with these kinds of stories in general a lot of the time is like because they're so episodic Mm. you know it's always got to fight this monster then this monster and then there's the big boss battle at the end whereas the best parts are kind of like when they're eating together or or when they're at the beginning and the end the framing scenes with the villagers and the old lady villager who yeah. I god I loved her so she I'd, was so great yeah the the story turning points the ends of the acts which basically are the the fight with the skeleton monster the scene on the boat and the boss battle at the end with the grandfather none of them quite sort of felt like they had really high stakes in them i think probably the best one was the skeleton Bit. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, but it, the ending um, was really convenient for that one. I felt it was just it was just a bit. Yeah, yeah. The whole the whole the, all of those battles all kind of resolved a little too easily. Well, see, I liked the one on the boat. Yeah, um, I, the, I, yeah. I thought the one on the boat was really good, mostly because of the stakes with the sisters, and that's mm. when you kind of. I actually kind of thought that the monkey was his mother earlier than that, but that's when I think most people kind of realised that yeah, the monkey is the, his mother. The boat battle was probably the best in that in terms of stakes. The skeleton one probably in terms of how it looks and some of the cool stuff that goes on in it. Yeah, I think that was definitely the set piece for the for the stop motion mm-hmm. and how it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't like. I I just felt like it was kind of fun. But then the, the and the Moon King one, I loved how that resolved. <laughs> So out of the three of them, I think between the three of them, you've got one really good scene. But the Moon yeah. King one, the way that Kubo decided to resolve the story was to make him human, yeah. which is the thing that he hated, and then give him all of this like belief and hope in humanity. It was It was so good. God, I loved that. Yeah. And that, to me, for a lot of the issues with the film, kind of lifted when that happened. I loved it. It's at its strongest when it's talking about second chances and rebirth. I think. Well, and death and moving on and, yeah. and, and just humanity, I think. it was really, But that yeah. was really well, yeah, strong. That, that, that cycle of, yeah, re- it's the death and rebirth kind yeah. of stuff. It, that's what it does best. What it does not do best is represent Japanese culture. Mm. Um, there are some very major kind of misses in that regard in this movie. And one of the biggest ones, just like as a really obvious thing, was there's a scene where Kubo slips his soup to annoy the monkey. Mm. And you're like, yeah, slurping is considered polite in most Asian countries. That's fairly common knowledge for anybody who kind of has lived in Asia, has lived in Asia, or like any of that sort of thing. And that is such a major kind of oversight, right? Because it's 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 a very uh, pointed joke that won't work if you have any knowledge of Japanese right. culture. And it only works for the Western audience, who which is was made by Americans. So yeah, yes. But I think that if you're going to make it and you're going to do that you've got to investigate all of the stuff that you're doing Mm. Um, and they did have a translator and a consultant Mm. who was Japanese on the film but clearly they needed to consult more deeply on it Um, I I mean they probably only brought them in at one sort of stage of the film and the whole thing took years to make years and years so they they might have brought them in at some points and not at others and yeah Yeah, and I think the simplification of some of the um, ideas of the life and death and stuff without having the concepts of all the different gods for each mm. individual, like there's because there's this kind of concept that um, every kind of rock and every tree and everything has a spirit connected with it and stuff like that. So um, I think the oversimplification of that took away from it a little bit too because you get confused about like the birds and the lanterns and all this sort of stuff that everything is about death yeah, and I taking was wondering, us to the next place. Yeah, I actually wondered about that if sort of – Kubo is has been so sheltered all his life that he's never really properly learned it and the only way he learned it is from the old lady in the market who kind of half told him the story and he didn't have the full cultural bit mm. backing it up. So but, uh, it could have been a character choice, but yeah, I 
it could be, but I think it's also a movie not understanding yeah, like problem or a sim- simplification problem. Um, and, and like there are things that Kubo wouldn't know because he's been in that <laughs> that unnecessarily dangerous cave mm. <laughs> with it for his whole life with his mother. I was like, why don't they just move into a house? When I found out that he was basically a villager, I was like, "Why? Why don't they have a house in the village? Why do they live on this cave in this mm. cave far this away?" This is from why it? the mother's story is so interesting because there's like an, a whole interesting story in there about a woman escaping from her family and losing her husband, having to raise a kid on her own. Like that's a pretty, and then dealing with her own illness and and her kid having to grow up too fast because of that. Like there's a huge hero arc in that. Never gets kind of unpacked. It's just like, oh yes, of course they went into a cave. That's where they went, and then they stayed there. Yeah. They're dealing with some really heavy themes in really nice ways that don't demean them and things like that. But they don't, the, the, the core story is still that kind of adventure boy's own mm. story. Yeah. Even but, with the, the monkey being a woman. Yeah. Well, a female which is character why well. I was so excited when I thought it was a girl, because that would have really turned it on its head a bit. That would have actually been an interesting story. Well, I um, don't think this was not an interesting story. I, I don't think it wasn't an interesting story. There's so much was, stuff in there. And also it was the story that the story, the plot is not that interesting. It's, no. It's been done but a thousand I don't, times before. I don't feel like the plot would be that much more interesting if Kubo was a girl because the the flaws would still be there. Yeah, well. But it that, would be more fun. It would be like uh, nice to have that representation as opposed to it always being a boy. Yeah. And you can also kind of, there's more built-in obstacles you can build in, you know, with a, a girl becoming a going after becoming a warrior like you especially when you're setting it in such a traditional sort of it's supposed to be set in such a traditional culture she's if if, if she was a girl she'd be like confounding a number of norms to go off on a quest like this yes but i don't think they would have i i just don't feel like they would have unpacked that any more than they did well, yeah. because it's like that that's not the focus of the story and it would be really i just think it would be it would be interesting but um, but I also think that it's interesting that Kubo is a very caring and not a, and and like the ultimate story for him is not a traditionally masculine one. It's that he needs to become like embrace who he is and be a storyteller and a carer, and not be a he's fighter. A he has no. to throw his sword and that stuff away, and 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 all this armor that he's been going after. He has to put all of that aside and and connect his family and the guitar, which was his traditional tool, and and be that person. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And it's his storytelling that solves the saves that redeems is the villain. Right. So that's his superpower. So if it was a girl, then you know that would be more traditional. Yeah. Yeah, that would be she'd have to be. To do. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. No, there is that that aspect of it as well. I think that that's just one of those. Things. One of the things I really loved about this movie as well is, is the music is fantastic. There's such a good score. Tr- the I don't know what the instrument's called now. I looked it up too. My brain's just not working. But um, that the um score for it was so good. And like, there's these scenes that just um, you know, the scene where they talk about the birds mm. and they're up on a mountain and there's so many colors and the birds come across over them and. Kubo smiles, turns around, smiles at his dad, and and mm. um, the music for that is just beautiful. And that whole kind of thing, the way that that came together, and the way that that's all so beautifully done, really kind of lifted me. I mm. think it was just so like powerful and nice and good filmmaking. And I think in a year where I've been disappointed by so many movies, like there's been so many movies out that aren't just aren't very good. Mm. Um, I think getting to see something like that where it's really, really good filmmaking was really nice. Mm. That was a good scene, actually. It was a f- like a fun little character 
bit. Yeah, in between fights and mm. battles and things. But the, this film was always at its best in the little character bits in between. Yeah, mostly, yeah. There were some things in the fights that I really liked, but um, the character stuff was really strong. It was really strong. I think yeah. they, they, they really investigated the characters that they were creating. Yeah. Which, and none of them are like two-dimensional characters either. Mm. They're really interesting. Yeah, which is when I when we came out of this one, um, I, can, I watched this with my husband and he really liked it as well for that reason. And I was like, oh, the story wasn't so great. And he's like, I don't think that matters. <laughs> and I think that's probably, yeah. I, think I feel a bit is. like that as well. And I do yeah. think, I think the story was really good for the most part. Like I just felt frustrated with the, the episodic nature of it. Mm. And I just think that the, the, the hero quest mm. was, it felt kind of video gamey. Yeah, like you've got to defeat this level, and then you you've learned your pa- your paper skills have got have built up. So then you've got to build a boat, kind of thing. Yeah. And then you've got to defeat this level where the sisters come in, and then you've got to defeat the boss level, Grandpa. Yeah. Whereas the stuff that was really good, like that went went at the beginning when he t- goes into the village and tells the story, and that whole that was so well done. The the whole kind of storytelling arc from when he wakes up in the cave and he has to feed his mum. And then he comes down into the village and, and, you know, in spite of this really hard sort of situation he's in, he's a really positive kind of friendly mm. kid and he goes in and he meets the awesome old lady and then he tells the story and it, you know, it happens in this kind of montage scene with beautiful music. Yeah. I just loved it. I liked all of that. That was, and this, you watch the sun setting as he tells the story and everybody's captivated. And he's got to go. Oh, yeah. I loved that. Yeah. The stuff with the paper was really clever. Um, the, the magic that he had. And then at one point there's I, the monkey or the or the beetle says something about I don't think that's origami. I think scissors were involved. <laughs> yeah. It cracked me up. Like there's there's jokes that they did that like almost break the fourth wall and mm. there's jokes that they did. I don't know that a lot of the jokes sat in my level of humor that is slightly absurd and slightly kind of weird that yeah. made me laugh really hard. All of the times that they called the sword unbreakable something else made me laugh. And the introduction to the beetle and things like that and some of the stuff that he did just made me laugh really hard. Yeah. It was something else. I also thought of um Harry Potter when I was watching this because I thought the three tasks were kind of like the Triwizard Tournament. Right, yeah. <laughs> Where the first one um the, he had to The first one you gotta get past a dragon, the second, second one you gotta deal with water and the third <laughs> And he's stuck one. underwater and yeah. yeah, that just I I don't know, but that just made me think of harry potter yep um the fourth one um which was one of my least favorites actually but well, at least favorite movies no it was one of my least favorite books all oh, right i, I, don't I, like I really liked much. the book i think well the book i think uh, there are certain parts of it that really kind of bother me and i also felt like that yeah I, I don't like that kind of episodic thing mm. this is the first task this is the second task this is the third task you've got to beat this monster kind of stuff mm. doesn't do it for me very much oh see i, I was much more interested in the fifth book that everybody hates yeah, <laughs> i like that I, one I a lot better good three-act structure. I, I love a bit of structure to keep me going. So, yeah, I, I do like that one. But back to Kubo. But I just genuinely do not have a lot to say about Kubo. I'm well, I like, did. Eh. I have a lot to say about Kubo. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some other interesting stuff as well when you unpack some of it. Like the concept of making this film Japanese, like I want to know what the thought process was behind. Did they find a story that they liked and then tell it? Or did they create a completely original story and decide that Japan was the place that they wanted mm. to set it? Like, what was the kind of... I, I'd be interested in knowing what the background of that was. And also the, yeah. the stop motion thing. Um, I went to see it with a friend of ours, Jamie, and um, afterwards he went, I didn't know it was stop motion. He thought it was computer generated. Yeah, wow. And I thought that was really interesting. I definitely noticed places where it was stop motion because some of the expressions were quite jerky 
and stuff like that, which is, you know, not not saying anything bad about the movie because I don't know if you could actually make stop motion perfectly smooth for this amount of time. I know. And there was definitely CG augmentation of everything. Mm. You, If you watch some, there's some really good kind of clips out there of them doing it, but that like the fight the with the monkey and mm. uh, it was the monkey's all stop motion and there's a green screen and she's on the actual boat and yep. then there's a green screen for the like background of it. Yeah. Yep. So um, even with augmentation, they did a lot of the hard stuff by hand. Mm-hmm. They did the thing also at the end of this movie that I didn't like in Box Trolls where they decided to put a bit of the stop motion in. Oh yeah, bit, yeah, and then Post have credits, that yep. inter- have that stop motion of character from the movie interact with the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not really an issue for me most of the time to show me how a movie is made because for me it doesn't take any of the magic out of it anyway. Because we both, you know, we know how movies are made. It doesn't kind mm-hmm. of it never takes me out of the moment to see how a shot is put together or anything like that. But I always feel like it's a strange thing to do in a kids movie. Yeah, well, because it's kind of it's not sh- it's showing off, but it's not showing off for the kids in the audience. It's for the adults in the audience, the people who care about how these things are made. Whereas the kids aren't really watching it for that. Yeah, and and it always kind of baffles them as well. They're like, oh, somebody had to like, yeah, this character wasn't real. Yeah, <laughs> and it kind of and that it for takes me a bit is of the magic. Yeah, I think it does. I think I think it needs to be at a different level. I think they need to learn about that stuff when they're. Like, or you can tell them about it after they've seen the movie, mm, mm. but before the credits is a weird place to put that. I just don't think that that, yeah. I don't like the idea of them doing that. Yeah. It's. Mm. Or do a short to advertise, like a short film to advertise the movie or where they do that. Be part of their iTunes extras or yeah. All that stuff I think is great, but I just don't think that that's a good way for them to end their films. Mm. It does. It's not I like with. I remember talking about this when we did box trolls. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we did because we they did the two little funny trolls and oh, they had a conversation yeah. with their creators. Mm-hmm. And and again, it's really funny. It's really clever, but it's not good. It doesn't work for the kids. No, and it's it takes you and out it, of the story. And a lot of the stuff that doesn't work, like that kid, adults will get, but kids don't get, that doesn't bother the kids. But this, mm. I feel like, is actually to a, at a detriment to the kids. Yeah, because it's already a movie that is a bit probably out of the comfort zone of a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. It's a bit slower. It's a bit more character-based. It's a, It looks different to what they're used to. The story is less kind of on the edge of your seat exciting. So I think, um, yeah, to do anything that kind of takes away from the kid-friendliness of it is probably a, a problem. Yeah, and the kids that I were, I saw it with did really like it and they didn't seem to get bored. I didn't hear it. There wasn't a lot of crying or shuffling or yeah, leaving the cinema. I, and there same. were a couple of, you know, call, yelling out things that um, that meant that they were clearly into it. And, yeah, following the story. I think I was pretty much the same in when I saw it, which was like on a Friday night. So there were a couple of kids in the audience a little bit older. Mm. Um, yeah, they were generally pretty quiet. It wasn't too much asking to be taken out to the toilet and all that sort of thing. Mm. So clearly it did connect with a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it connected with me. I thought it was great. And I think I always like to see kind of the, those hard subjects being tackled by kids' movies. Yeah. And there are, is space yeah. for kids' movies that don't tackle them. But like when we saw Finding Dory and I was like, it's too safe and they never really yeah. challenge anything, this movie this definitely is, doesn't play it too yeah, safe. Yeah, and this is why I enjoyed The Little Prince, which we're going to review next, which we mm, also yeah. watched this week. Um, because it because it's important for kids' movies to to tackle those things, and it's it's almost a cliche that in kids' movies the parents will die, mm-hmm. and that's you know whatever. I actually really like the way this one interrogates that a little bit and plays with yeah. it. Yeah, but that's the whole point of kids' movies is to allow kids to talk through the big issues of life and love and death and and destiny 
in a safe space. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. I like it when kids' movies tackle a slightly darker uh, or heavier subject matter because that's a good place for it. Yeah. And this one's not just about death but also memories and love and really interesting things about how we love people even when they can't love us back or mm-hmm. they don't show it or things like that. Really interesting. Yeah. Well, kind yeah, of. like redemption and caring and and that's what, I think the the redemption narratives were the bits that stuck with me in this one. I thought that yeah. was just really well done. The redemption stuff was really well done. And and watching that happen with the Moon King as well, <laughs> even yeah. though there was that really obvious dream trap. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, it's obviously a trap. But um, the Moon King works really well as a character in spite of us very rarely seeing him. Yeah. Um, worked really well. And, uh, well, he almost works better. It's like the shark in Jaws because you can't see him, but everyone talks about him and how dangerous he is. Yeah. It was really good. But also um, – my friend did point out that uh, there's a slightly troubling storytelling around blindness in this movie. Uh, and around stepsisters, wicked stepsisters, but yeah. They're not stepsisters, though. They're her sisters. Yeah, I know, but like they're the wicked sisters. Like the sisters get punished and the um, the father is redeemed, which I think is a, an interesting... Yeah, I can sort of see that. Yeah. I thought sort of saw, saw it more as um, the sisters were the soldiers, the foot soldiers, mm. but I can see that now. Yeah, I, I didn't just, think about yeah, that. Yeah, that was one of the... Yeah, there there are a few slightly troubling things, but yes, around blindness as well. Yeah, um, but the, the, blindness... the worst thing that could happen to him is that he would lose his other eye. Yes, but I, I thought I mean that's clearly meant to be more metaphorical than yeah. literal. But at the same time, you definitely present a world where they're like blind people are evil. Mm. So there's that. Yeah, I thought it would have been interesting if he was blinded at the end, but I think that would have been a bit much with his parents dying as well. Yeah, just tackle one thing at a time, maybe. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked it a lot. It was so kind of gorgeous as well. Like it wasn't – I think the reason that I didn't get bored is because whenever – even if it, the story wasn't moving along at such a good pace, I was just kind of dazzled by how gorgeous it was. There was always music and stuff. pretty to look at. But, yeah, I was lulled a bit to sleep towards the end. I might have been tired, but I don't normally fall asleep in movies that I've paid for. Yeah, no, I really yeah. liked it. Okay, do you uh, want to give it a score? Um, yeah, three out of five. Okay, I'm going to give it four out of five. I enjoyed it a lot. Awesome. I think it might be actually be one of the better movies I've seen all year. That's really good. I'm glad because it's been a bit of a disappointing year as far as movies have gone. Yes, I think we're all aware of that one. But yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. So um, do you want to do the wrap Yes. Up? Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find show notes or our old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of... Kubo and the Two Strings. You can find that on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we are on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, at screen underscore queens on Twitter, and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.